Welcome back to the JARCAST. I'm your host, Sally Berry. And I'm Boyd Balsley. Today we have Dr. Arad on with us. Um, Dr. Arad, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And did you live there your whole uh, like yes, childhood? Yes, I did. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? I went to Washington and Lee. Oh, it's your second Washington and Lee, back to back. Um, and did you did you like Washington and Lee? Did you I know? loved it. Yeah. Um, I went to a high school about this size, so mm -hmm. WNL is small, but it didn't seem too small because I went to such a small high school. Is that where you studied biology first, or did you like it during high school? I've always liked science. Um, in high school, I did take a summer school class at Rhodes College, mm. the introduction to chromosomes. Um, and then in college, I did have the opportunity to work with um, a professor. She had a lab, Dr. Helen Ionson, and she was looking at um, the role of a part of the brain in um, puberty and sort of detecting glucose. We were using rats. So it was a, a developmental neurobiology lab. So um, actually my first interest, in, interest was reproductive biology, um, and then neurobiology, and then cancer biology, yeah. When, when do you think you realize that biology is kind of your um, main interest? I, I think I just always wanted to know why things happened. Um, and I, I like I like doing things with my hands. Yeah. What was your favorite biology to study? Um, development, reproductive biology. I don't know. I, I thought that was interesting. You have your doctorate. Did you get that at Washington Lee or somewhere else? No, WNL doesn't only has a law school for graduate. Um, I went to Vanderbilt, hmm. yeah, for my PhD. And was that, how many years was that? Five years, yeah. So hmm. I worked for three years out of college and then went to graduate school. What was the highlight of Vanderbilt? Um, probably my mentor, Lynn Matrizian. So when you, when you start graduate school, you rotate through labs to see what you're interested in. So I was still interested in reproductive biology. So I, I rotated through a reproductive biology lab and then two cancer labs. And previously I'd worked um, for a company that contracted with the National Cancer Institute. So I learned a lot about cancer biology. So I rotated through two cancer biology labs and, um, and chose the one with Dr. Matrizian and she was just great. I mean, she was a wonderful mentor. So it was it was a great five years. And what did what did you get your PhD in? Cancer biology. How long did were you able to research that throughout graduate school? I assume. It's yeah. So um, you know, the lab is you join a lab and they're they're working on you know whatever the mentor has established. In this case, it was this family of enzymes that are involved in cancer. So they sort of put you on a project. Um, and you, you know, you work on that for five years. And then to get your PhD at Vanderbilt, you at least have to have published one paper. Um, and then you're, you're really an employee of the university. Mm -hmm. So all your work stays there and you get paid. Um, so it's, 
it's kind of a good setup for graduate school because you're, you're working and, and you're going to school. Mm -hmm. Did you get your doctorate right after college or was there a couple years in between? There's three years. So one year I worked at the National Institutes of Health um, and that was in a developmental neurobiology lab because I've been doing that in college. Um, and then I worked for two years with this company that um, worked with the National Cancer Institute. Um, and essentially, I was just sort of a secretary and I would go into these meetings of the developmental therapeutics program where they talked about the development of anti-cancer drugs and it was really just fascinating. Um, I also got to sit, I mean, you know, just as a 24 year old, you know, just listening to these scientists. Um, also sat in, in some NCI FDA meetings. They also had a program where different scientists across the country could apply to have whatever drug they're developing, the NCI would help them development, develop it. So I got to meet and hear about just all these cancer biologists and oncologists. I mean, that's what got me interested. Um, and then they, I think I mentioned this in class, but they had these different branches, you know, a toxicology branch where they'd look at toxicity, a formulation branch where they would ideally try to figure out how to get the drug into a pill form. Mm -hmm. Then they had the natural products branch, which I thought was so cool where they would go out all over the world and look for natural products like plants and things like that to see if there was any active ingredient that could be an anti-cancer drug. So one of the drugs they were working on, 17-AAG, was from shark cartilage. I just always thought that was and that that can help to heal cancer? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How'd they find that out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they would go down, you know, and find sponges in the ocean, and, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. Which branch were you most drawn to? Um, Did you participate? I think I liked the the mechanism, you know, like what is the drug doing? What pathway is it inhibiting? Or So my postdoc, which is, you know, you do a, a fellowship after your PhD, you're really still in training, was at Emory, and that was a developmental therapeutics lab where they were looking at a lot of drugs and sort of the, the pathways in the cell that are affected by cancer and then how to inhibit that with the drug. So I liked that part of it. Did you ever go overseas to study? No, I didn't. Um, I did have the opportunity to go to Italy for a conference in graduate school um, and then a few other places, Maine and California. What did you write your dissertation on? So that was on um, this family of enzymes. So. Um, Back in the 80s, Bristol-Myers Squibb Pharmaceutical Company made inhibitors to these enzymes because we understood that these enzymes help tumor cells spread. So if you block that, tumor cells won't spread. But the inhibitors were not effective. And so my PhD work was sort of to go back and try to understand more what these enzymes are doing. And of course, if you block the enzymes too late and the cancer's already spread, you know, it's not effective, and that was probably part of the case in a clinical trial. Uh, but it turns out some of these enzymes are actually beneficial. You don't want to inhibit them. And I guess the main crux of my research was looking at the role of these enzymes in early tumor development, which previously it was just thought they were involved in later tumor development and spreading. Um, but we found that one of these particular enzymes helped in the um, establishment of tumors very early in the lung. 
which we didn't really know before, and that um, these enzymes are expressed not just by tumor cells, but immune cells and other supporting cells like fibroblasts, because um, a tumor is made up of blood vessels and you know not just the actual tumor mm-hmm. cells. So understanding what we called um, kind of the extracellular matrix, all the other supporting components of a tumor, and these enzymes are expressed by those cells, and that was kind of a PhD. What made you want to start teaching? Yeah. Um, well, I did teach a little bit as a postdoc at Emory, um, freshman at Emory. I taught biology laboratory, like their lab part of their freshman biology class. And I enjoyed it. Um, and then I, I did that a little bit after I stopped my postdoc when I had young kids. Um, and I had three kids. And so it was it was kind of hard to go back to the lab because it's it's pretty demanding. Um, and then I saw a job for a, a teacher. Someone was going on maternity leave, and they needed a biology teacher. So I thought, oh, I can probably do that. Um, and I enjoyed it. It was hard, though. It was, I didn't realize how challenging it would be to teach, you know, high school. <laughs> but I liked it. Um, and it was a good schedule for me. So then I, I think I took, an, you know, I was off a little bit more. My kids were young. Um, and then I found out about the job at ACA. And, uh, and I like teaching because I can talk about science, which I love. And, you know, I pull from my background. I mean, I know how science works. And so it's, it's kind of, it's good because it's, it's challenging, but I'm also still talking about science and still learning a lot. I mean, I remember that first year of teaching, having to relearn photosynthesis and ecology and evolution. I mean, you know, I hadn't learned that since well, high school. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of parts in those. Like yeah. Photosynthesis, especially with all the. Yeah. But now it's fun. Cause I like, I love ecology and evolution and I never really made the connection to all the molecular biology, which was my background. So I'm still learning a lot. You know, it's fun. Do you like teaching AP biology or biology better? You know, I I kind of like teaching the freshman biology because I have a little bit more freedom. AP biology, I'm following, following the college board curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and freshman, it's, you know, it's sort of, some things are just n- new for the first time, you know, so I, I, I like both. I like both, but um, sometimes it's fun to teach someone for, you know, they've never heard about it. Telling them about it for the first time is fun. Kind of circling back to your cancer research, why do you think cancer is so much more prevalent these days? Uh, well, it's primarily a disease of older people. So as people live longer, there will be more cancer. Um, our therapies are, are excellent. I mean, we really are preventing people from dying, which is the goal. People will always get cancer. Um, so that that's why people are living longer. Do you think if you lived long enough, you would eventually get cancer? Yes. No matter what? Probably. Huh. You may not die from it. You may die from heart disease or something else. Um, and some in men, I think the stat is if you're 80 or older, for men, you know, I think it's like 80% of those men will get prostate cancer. But they're not going to die from it. It's going to be slow-growing. Yeah, so, too, I think. yeah, so you can't, I mean, you can prevent cancer, but as you get older, it's just, you know, your DNA just doesn't repair itself as well because you're old. Um, 
And so I think the goal of just preventing people from dying from cancer is is what oncologists are trying to do. Is there any other factors maybe like I don't know, pollution? Sure. I mean smoke you know, smoking is, yeah. is there's of course the correlation with lung cancer and actually other types of cancers. And yes, I mean, I think exposed to something for a long period of time, something in the environment, some things we probably don't know about, yes, but you probably have to be exposed for a long time. Or the sun, right? I mean, skin cancer, yes. I've been, well, I haven't been reading, but my parents have been, like, telling me about all these things that are giving you cancer. Do peeps give you cancer? Because <laughs> that's one thing they told you me. You know, if you ate 50 peeps, peeps a day for 20 years probably <laughs> if you ate a few peeps at easter time maybe not <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i have heard like a lot of welch's fruit snacks give you cancer i don't know how true that is i mean it, yeah I, I i don't know i mean i think everything in moderation and some things you can't control you know your genes you know, there's plenty of young healthy people who get cancer mm-hmm. it's their genes so, is there any form of cancer that's almost all genetic? Like, um, all forms are genetic in some way. I mean, even lung cancer. You know, the carcinogens in cigarette smoke have damaged your DNA. So it it is, yeah. I think it's, they're all in, in a combination of environments and genetics. Is there anyone that is there any form of cancer that just isn't really affected by the environment at all? Like, mm. for some reason, I've always thought leukemia. Yeah, I mean, so childhood cancers which are more the leukemias and lymphomas, and they're rare. Not a lot of children get cancer. That, that is a genetic disease because, I mean, those children haven't been alive long enough to be exposed to too much in the environment. And, but we know so much about the genetics of those diseases that, um, you know, we, we can treat them really well because we just target that specific mutation. And we're doing that more in adult cancers too. The more we learn about the genetics, we are better able to to treat it because we're specifically going in on that you know protein that isn't working correctly because of that genetic mutation. You mentioned you had kids earlier. How old are they? They are 16, 14, and 12. Where do they go to school? They go to three different schools. <laughs> uh, the oldest goes to Merritt. They all went to Christ the King um, Catholic school. Mm. For uh, for elementary school, and then my oldest one went on to Marist, another Catholic school. Um, my middle child's at Westminster, and my younger child's still at uh, Christ the King. What do you like to do with your family? Let's see. We like to um, ride our bikes, hike. So um, we like to go skiing. Um, we go up to Swanee, Tennessee a lot. Is that where the university is? Yeah. Or, or the college. I'm right, sure. yeah. Um, and we go hiking and swimming, and we ride our bikes a lot. Um, so, yeah, things like that. Where do you all ski, typically? Um, this year we're going to Deer Valley. We went there last year, too. We've been a lot of places. My husband started skiing when he was 42, and he sort of caught the bug. <laughs> and he goes a lot, and we just like to try different places. Are you, would you say you're a good skier? Eh, I'm intermediate, I would intermediate. say. 
Is your husband a good skier? He's gotten really good because he goes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like goes out on the dull blacks or whatever. Sometimes, I think. Yeah. I sort of stick to the blues. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Do your kids ever follow him? Yes. They've gotten pretty good. Especially the boys. Some of my daughter and I kind of, you know, <laughs> go off on the greens. Where do you like to hike? Um, we hike in Tennessee. Um, we've hiked in Georgia. Um, and we do, we go, we go out west. Sometimes our summer vacation is also out west. Um, so we've hiked out there a lot. This might be kind of a weird question, but when you're spending time outdoors as a biology teacher, do you ever look around and think like, Oh, I know what's going on there. I do a lot more than I used to, but learning ecology. Um, we're reading this book now in, in biology class where this professor up at Swanee took a one meter by one meter plot of land and looked at it for a year, almost every day. And so he just describes beautifully all the intricacies in this one little piece of land up on the Cumberland Plateau. So I now I feel like I pay a lot more attention than I used to because I appreciate it more and I know more about it. Is there some place you've always wanted to go to because of biology? Yes, I really wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands in college and they had a trip but I wasn't able to do that. I've also wanted to go to the Everglades. Um, so hopefully they have a cool like ecology tour of the Everglades. Mm. I would love to do that. And the kind of ecology tour of, and the evolution tour of the Galapagos. Those are two things I want to do. Do you think ecology and evolution, you've become, or those may be your uh, like key interests in biology? Yeah, because I think I can learn so much. You know, there's so much I still don't know. And then how it all ties into molecular biology. It's just so interesting. Um, like, even as, like, a retirement job, like, going, living on some island and collecting fish or something. I don't know. <laughs> Do your kids have any interest in biology? My middle son loves science. Um, so it's fun. We talk about it a lot. He loves these um, German artists that draw all these cool science things and he has all his, all their artwork in his room um he does love science any specific science he sort of likes the engineering kind of physics part mm. although he he has a book on the immune system that these german people wrote um he likes a lot of different types of science yeah did you ever have any major findings through your cancer research I mean, maybe that the um, these enzymes are playing a role in early tumor development. So taking that early time point, I was looking at mice and tumor growth in the lung and never really thought about taking an early time point, more just looking at the end, you know, how many tumors do they have? And I don't know, I just thought about doing that for some reason. So that was kind of a critical, for that paper, that was a critical finding, I guess. Um, yeah. Is there a sp specific cancer? Did you say lung cancer? Lung. Was, mm -hmm. And what got you into researching lung cancer? Um, I don't know. That was just sort of the... I, I 
kind of figured out how to put tumor cells in the lung of mice, doing little surgeries, putting the tumor cells down the trachea, mm-hmm. like that intricate mouse surgery. I just really liked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of like the lung cancer model. I mean, lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death mm-hmm. for men and women. And there's not as much funding for lung cancer because there's not as much advocacy because most people die of lung cancer. So there's not people who have survived to advocate for it, like breast cancer or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's just we just need a lot. We need to learn a lot more about lung cancer. Is there like a higher percentage of lung cancer in Europe? Because I know like most people in Europe smoke. Yeah. So if you look at in the United States, the lung cancer rates are dropping because people are smoking less. So in Europe, I, I would imagine it's still pretty high because you're right, they do. Even in Asia, too. Do you think vapes or something yeah. that is lung cancer, um, too? You know, I think we don't have the long-term data on vaping, but I would imagine just because all the chemicals that are still in vape, mm-hmm. I mean, it's supposed to be better for you because it doesn't have the tobacco, but I mean... There's so many chemicals in a vape, so I I suspect when we have that long-term data, vaping will certainly increase the of lung disease, maybe lung cancer, you know, emphysema, things like that. I mean, it it just can't be good for you, and of course, it's addictive. So you can't, you know, it's mm-hmm. nicotine is really addictive. Actually, if you're if you're truly addicted to it, it's very very hard to stop. So I mean. I suspect we see this spike in lung disease when we have the long-term data on vaping, yeah. So you dissected rats a lot and did a lot of work on them. Was that the only animal? Mice, really. It was mice. Oh, mice. Uh, well, rats, too. In college, it was rats. I mean, yeah, in college, it was rats. PhD was mice. Postdoc was mice. Um, yes, that's all I did. Some people do, you know, rabbits. My, um, my colleague in graduate school she worked on dogs she did diabetes research um but these were dogs that would have been euthanized anyway um anyway can you explain why you dissected mice or worked on mice yeah mice are a good model because they're they're not that expensive to house they reproduce very quickly um so you can just have lots of mice quickly and you um so i worked on some mice that were um what we call knockout mice, so you can manipulate their genetics pretty easily. So we removed a gene, so removed one of those enzymes we were studying, and that's a good way to understand the function if it's not there. And right after college, I worked on mice that developed ALS, or Lou Gehrig's Mm. disease. So because we know some of the genetics of that disease, we can actually engineer the mice to get ALS. And there I was testing a drug to see if that would prevent the delay of some of the symptoms of ALS. So mice are just great models because you can manipulate the genetics, you can give them disease, you know, yeah. And they're similar to humans, right? They really are. I mean, the the genetics, yes, yeah. It's wild to think that such a small animal so similar to us. Yeah, I mean, we put the human mutated gene um, for this enzyme that's mutated in ALS into the mice, and they get a, they get ALS. So it's it's a great way to study the disease. What's the most interesting lab you do as a teacher? Mm. 
Um, well, I started this, well, I guess, last year doing the gel electrophoresis. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just something that's done all the time in laboratories and universities. So it was just kind of cool to be able to do that in high school. Um, and then the bacterial transformation, which is pretty complex. We've done that once. Um, I think we tried that last year. Yeah, and that's just done all the time in labs. Um, what else is a good lab? I do. I just this year did a cellular respiration lab, which we did not do, and it actually worked. <laughs> you know, you never know. Um, where you could see the oxygen consumption when cellular respiration was occurring, and we set up these respirometers. And um, I like all the labs. I mean, they're fun, and then everyone likes to do labs. <laughs> you also teach physiology, right? Do yeah. You cool labs in there. Yes, we've um, we've dissected. Last year, new was the. Um, the pig's heart, mm. which is very similar to our heart, and it mean, looks exactly the same. Um, and the cow's eye is also really interesting because it's almost exactly like our eye. Like the eyeball? Yeah, the whole eyeball, and it's big. You know, cow's <laughs> eye is big, so you can really see all the parts. Um, and we dissect the rat at the end, which is good because then you can see sort of all the systems. Um, we did kind of a good which were added to AP Biology too, this lactose intolerance lab where we looked at lactose like in baby formula and milk and kind of understanding lactose intolerance, which apparently is more prevalent now. Hmm. And there's a genetic basis for that. Um, what else? Uh, yesterday in physiology, we did this lab where we mimicked um, dialysis in the kidney and sort of set up this dialysis tubing and, um, and uh, an artificial blood to see what which components of the blood would move out and, you know, the kidney filters the blood and takes out salts and water and, you know, waste. And so we did that yesterday. That was pretty fun. Is there like a really gross lab that you've heard about, but you're just like, that's... Mm, well, I, you know, I like... <laughs> so no, not, not gr I mean, some of the students are a little taken back at first, like opening up a rat, mm -hmm. but then they get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really, I like that stuff, you know. <laughs> now, I'm kind of biased, but what is your favorite AP Biology class that you've teached? Oh, I mean, maybe my first one, just because it was the very first one, um, and it was also new, and I was just, you know, trying to do my very best, and it was also COVID, so when they, when everyone came back in person, it was just, we really appreciated being able to do a lab and be in the classroom. Although, you know, I said, I said, this is going to be my best class, my first class. But honestly, each year, they've all been good classes. So, um, and you know, the students are different every year, which also makes it fun. Um, so, y'all were a great class. We were a big class. <laughs> a lot of kids. Yeah. Um, well, I guess as a final question, do you have anything that, you want to say to um, students Yeah, no, when I was in high school, I went to an all-girls school, and I was always told I could do whatever I wanted to do, career-wise. We were always told that. Um, and that's what I thought, and that's what I did. So I, I really feel like it's true. I mean, there'll be some roadblocks, and but today, you know, 2023, I don't think anything should really stop someone from doing what they want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can pursue, I mean, of course it takes some hard work and, um, 
there's you know, no reason to say you can't. I don't think so. Yeah. Thank well, you so much. Yeah, thank you.